How many has been blessed? Beyond measure? Beyond measure. Beyond trials? Tests? Persecution? Tribulations? That's right. Blessed beyond measure. I'm so glad that we are taught that blessings aren't always in dollars and cents and property and boats and houses and lands and so on. The greatest blessings that we will ever have obtained in this life of being children of God will be those spiritual things that the Lord has given to us. We know that we can never, ever overemphasize the importance, the value of spiritual revelation. To many people of the world, Laodiceans that are mindsets in that way, it's all about what they can obtain and what they can get and the more they're worth and all that sort of thing. But I'm so glad the Lord has helped us to see through all of that. wonder how many rich folks have died during COVID and they were buried in the same way. Might have been a nice little box. Might have been a rich person or a famous person that spoke the last words over them. But really, it made no difference when it come right down to it. You ever see anybody buried with a million dollars? You ever see the keys of a Rolls Royce drop down in a coffin or a Mercedes or a BMW? Wonder why? <laughs> they can't take it with them. Whether they go this way or that way, no cars allowed. So what really matters is what's done inside of our soul. Amen. I'm so, so happy. Let me say it this way. We are so happy to be back home, back home with you. I certainly appreciate you praying for us while, while we were gone. And um, it was a very difficult trip for Carol and I because so many people have been sick. Um, of course, I had Brother Danny Lindley's funeral on Sunday and then had another one on Sunday and had another one yesterday in Kentucky. So I don't mind telling you, I'm tired of death. Anybody with me? I'm tired of it. I'm just so, so sick of death. As I stood yesterday and watched a relatively young wife weeping over her husband and so desperately nearly losing her breath. And I thought, God, I'll be so glad when we are delivered from this hell that this earth has turned into. Amen. Aren't you glad we have a hope, friends, that's beyond what this life can offer? So appreciate all the good things that we're hearing. We're not just hearing, of course, negative reports and this one's getting sick and that one, but we're hearing some good positive things that people are getting better and doing better. And we're believing the Lord for complete deliverance of his children. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day. I'll tell you, we're getting more and more and more on the other side, aren't we? We certainly are. But we want to be ready because we don't know, of course, when that hour will come. But as long as we're here, we want to stomp that devil. We want to bite him. We want to chew on him. We want to just do whatever we can do by the grace of God to make his life absolutely miserable. Don't we? God knows he's done it bad enough to us. We certainly want to do it back to him. Amen. So we're here to say tonight, in spite of it all, there's victory in our Lord Jesus. And the church says, Amen. amen to that. Let's turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16. We'll read some uh, passages of Scripture here, and then we'll, we'll pray. 
I love these words. I, I must say that I've read them since I was just, just a, a boy and preached from them when I was a, a boy preacher. But really, they have just become real to me in the last six months as far as the value of what lays in these scriptures. Matthew 16, 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. But my Father, which is in heaven, and I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, my church, ecclesia, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly of the people convened at the public place. Now remember, this is before the church is actually established, but Jesus is saying, what will happen once the church gets established. They will come out of their homes. They'll come out of their background. They'll come out of different things in life. And they will assemble together in a public place. And there they'll worship, pray. And he says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, before we pray, I wonder how many here in this place tonight believes this to be the infallible Word of God. And you believe it's the truth. And you believe that it will never be defeated. You believe that. In spite of what you go through, in spite of what we go through as a church body, or in spite of what the mystical body is going through around the world. Why? Because our God cannot lie. Brother Louis already mentioned uh, different ones that are sick. Of course, we want to remember those that are uh, still sick in the hospital. The numbers are fewer today, thank the Lord. But some are still serious. We want to remember them. But we also want to remember those that are recovering from the COVID thing that are still weak and fatigued. And those of you that have had it before know how that that can just hang on and hang on. So just because people are home, please don't forget to pray for them. Some still leading with coughs and dealing with different things. So how many of you have a need tonight? Maybe it's not COVID in your life. Maybe it's something else. Let's just take them before the Lord, shall we? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that we've been given this wonderful thing called prayer by which we as your people are able to approach you. It's really a, a simple thing, and yet at the same time, it's a phenomenal thing. How can people simply close their eyes, bow their heads, and pray to an invisible being that they have never seen? Most of them have never heard his audible voice, but they are convinced that you are alive. And they are convinced that when the children of God pray, that you indeed answer prayer. 
Lord, just as you did a couple of days ago, whenever they gave Sister Naomi Daly two days to live. But as we know already, she's already outlived those two days. And why was it? What magic bullet was it that the doctors gave her? What great vaccine did they pull from their medicine cabinet? But we believe it was the power of prayer. Lord, we know many, many others have felt the power of prayer. And we are so thankful. Heavenly Father, so we bring our petitions, our needs before you tonight, Lord Jesus. And we just ask in your precious holy name that you would be mindful of those that are needy, those that are suffering. Father, those still yet in the hospital, some very serious. But Lord God, there's none of our needs, whether they are singly identified or all compiled together. None of them are too great for your great power. So we're calling upon you tonight. Lord, most of us remember it hasn't been that long ago when Brother Louie would struggle to even walk to get up on this platform. And Lord, there was many times when I seen him turn around that I was afraid that he was going to fall and collapse right here on the platform. And the doctors even telling him he was one fall away from being totally paralyzed. So what did we see tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What did we see here Sunday as he walked up here? We saw a miracle. Father, we thank you for surgery. We thank you for what medical science can do. And they can operate, but they don't have no healing power. All they can do is remove this and fuse this together and tie that together. But even in that, all healing comes from God. So we thank you for a miracle that walked up here tonight, Lord, and opened the service and led the service. We are so grateful. And I believe, Father, there's going to be more miracles that we're going to announce and give praise for because you are a supernatural, miraculous God. Speak to us tonight from your word, Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And the saints said... God bless you, children. You may be seated tonight. Such an honor to be able to speak to you again about our mighty God. Let me, before we go a little bit farther into this about the gates of hell, let me just remind you of the attribute that the Lord Jesus so faithfully gave to his church. And that is the attribute of or the power of indestructibility. I want you to be able to take this in your heart tonight and know that it's not anything that we could ever do. All of us are totally destructible. As humans, our life, our eyesight, our ability to hear, our strength, our vitality, even sometimes our faith, as good as it is, it gets weak. 
Sometimes I believe in the supernatural God. And you know how it is. Sometimes we can pray for others and it seems like we can have such faith to be able to reach out to God for others. And there's times when it comes to us, it seems like that we really need the help of one another. We've all been there and we know how that is. And that doesn't mean that you don't believe God. It doesn't mean that you've lost your faith. It just means that you need the binding together of another saint of God to help you when you are weak. How many people have I talked to and prayed with those that I've been allowed to go into the hospitals and offer prayer for during the time of this COVID? Many of them, they won't let me, but many of them, I've FaceTimed them or I've called them on the phone or I've answered texts and emails of of folks that are dealing with so much sadness and so much oppression and they just reach out with everything was in them and it seemed like They just don't have the faith to muster up to believe that God can move for them. And as I said, we've all been there in different times of our life. But I'm so glad when we are there that we have brothers and sisters that can bind with us and pray for us in those times. And we know that the Lord actually does it that way because we are a body. And we need one another, I believe, more now than we've ever needed one another before. And I think we've all seen that demonstrated to what we've been going through in the last several weeks. And you know, I'm grateful that we have people that when the church goes through a hard time, that they don't run off and realize they really don't want to be identified with that church no more. But they start looking for a church that ain't going through hard times. Well, I'll tell you, folks that feel that way, they probably should go ahead and move anyway because if they can't deal with it now, they sure won't be able to deal with it six months from today. I don't know how you feel. I would rather have less people if that's what it takes to attend our church than I would have a bunch of weaklings that when the hard times come, you go to looking for them and their pew is empty because they they think, you know what? If this is the way it is from this time out, I think I'm going to find me a church that ain't going through such hard time. But I find that the prophet tells us in the church age book that the church that is not being persecuted and tried and tested is not of God and hasn't got it. So one of the true identifications of the real bride is that she will be tried like no other church on the face of the earth because she must have a character that is so fitting and so matching to her Lord and it won't just be that she can lay hands on the sick it won't just be that she can be able to oh my you know be able to call the sick out of the hospital but she will be a tried group of people and not only will God tell them yes but God sometimes will tell them no and I just heard the prophet say it the other day as I was coming up the road that 
But he said his yeses and his noes are the same to us. So if we ask him for this and this and this, and he says no, then his noes are just as much his will, and we will accept his noes just as readily as we will his yeses. Now a lot of people love his yeses, and boy, they can shout the victory as long as the Lord is saying yes. But when the Lord says no a few times, they're ready to give up. Well, I don't want that kind of face myself. I wanted the kind of face in the Lord God that I have faith when he says yes, and it encourages me, but if he says no, and then another no, and then another no, and when he gets done saying no, I want to have just as much faith as I did when he said all the yeses. Is that right? Now you see, many folks think that they have greater faith when they accumulate so many yeses in God. But I would like to remind you tonight of a little mother who was over in Germany. She was stationed there because of her husband's occupation in the military of the United States. Their baby had died and she called to the prophet and asked him would he be willing to come over and our military at that time was going to fly Brother Branham over because of the position that this man held. So Brother Branham said well let me pray. Let me go to the Lord and see what the Lord will say. So he prayed and they waited. He prayed and they waited. And then the Lord spoke to him and said don't rebuke this. This is me. Don't rebuke this hand of death. It is me. So the prophet called the man and his wife and told them go ahead and bury your baby because it is the will of God. Now what was this? This was a no. It was a big no. It was a heartbreaking no. A heart-wrenching no. It's not like God turns you down because you wasn't able to upgrade your car this year or get a new pickup or a new house. But God said no that your little baby is not going to be raised from the dead. Now can you mothers and fathers imagine how heartbreaking this would have been. Now sometime later the prophet said that this mother come to him and said, Brother Branham, did not I have faith to be able to ask God and believe that God would answer my prayer? And I love the prophet's answer. And he said, Sister, you had great faith because when God said no, you still loved him. Now you see, great faith will still love him even when he says a heartbreaking no. Now if that means taking a loved one or you're praying about a certain debilitating thing in your body as the way Paul was, this, but the thing that hit him over and over again and the prophet said it would hit him and then it would let up and then it would hit him again and then it would let up and it was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him lest at any time he should be exalted above measure and he would get victory over it and then it would hit him again and then he said I sought the Lord three times and the Lord said Paul my grace is sufficient for thee so there was a no but there was grace with the no to help him to be able to deal with it now you see most many let me say it this way many so called Christians they multiply their victories by all the yeses that they got oh I prayed about this 
this and God answered and most of the time they're talking about yeses and I prayed about this and God answered and I prayed and they're checking their, their yes list and as soon as they get a no, oh they're so low and they're so down and they feel like they're not going to serve the Lord no more, they're not going back to church because God said a no. Oh friend, his no's are just as great to us as his yeses if no's are in his perfect will. Now, will his nose be heartbreaking and painful? Sure they will. And some of his nose will be absolutely catastrophic to us as believers, but if we love him more than we love our own will, then he will help us to accept the no as well as he does a yes. Now, if we believe that the church of the living God is based upon such stability, that helps us to understand how the early church fathers were able to go through all that they did. Now you imagine that they were being burned. They were being treated terrible by the time that Paul began to write and for Nero he would take the Christians and he had a beautiful garden that led up outside of his palace and he would take the Christians and set them out there and have them tied and they would wrap them sheep clothes and different things and they would basically make a human candle out of their bodies and they would dip their bodies in a wick type thing and it would have a towel and then they would light them at their feet and Nero would walk through his garden and it was not lit up by LED lights. It was not lit up by electric lights but it was lit up by the bodies of saints of God that were filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine a man being so wicked and he walks down his garden at nighttime, and what is the light that cast on his path so he can see it is the saints of God and they are screaming as life is going from their bodies and their bodies are being burned and their flesh is running off and running down the pole and they're being oh my treated like animals lower than animals can you imagine a child of God hanging there trying to understand the will of God but they must have received something from the Lord Jesus that helped them that they would not recant now the sad part about it is there was many of those and if you've read Fox's book of martyrs and other books of historical reference you know that some of them would come up so close they would come up and they were either being crucified or fed to wild dogs or lions or tigers or whatever more and they would be so close to crossing over and right at the very end they would recant you imagine recanting that you know the Lord Jesus and you live another minute or you live another three minutes or five after you have recanted and you've cursed his name and you've denied that he's real and you breathe a few more breaths and life goes out of you and you enter into another dimension lost. Maybe you live for him 10 years, 15 years, 20, whatever more. And you know, to me, that reminds me of the time that we're living in when we are so close to the end time that we can almost see the lights of that city. And yet people are turning back to the world in this stage of the journey. They are leaving the message of the hour or they're going this way or that way. And here we are just this close to embracing a new body and people are 
turning away. Well, I don't know about you, friends. I can speak for myself. I have a greater desire and a greater determination tonight than I have ever had in my life. Anybody else here with me? Oh, is it difficult? Certainly it's difficult. I'm not here saying tonight that it's easy. Neither am I saying to you that it's going to be easier. I don't know what it's going to be, but I do know this. Our Lord will be with us, and he will give us the strength that we need to complete our journey. It must have been something that dropped in the lives of these people. It would be uh, it would be unnatural. Now, listen to me. I've stood on the savannas of Africa in, in Tanzania and Kenya, the, the vast expanse of the Serengeti, one of the largest expanses of the earth where the wildebeest and the lions and the leopard and the cheetah and all kinds of animals are there by the tens of thousands. And see the lions, not as you would look at them at a cage, but out there in the wild and watch them and watch the cheetah and the leopard and the different ones. Actually got to see several hunts and how that they would do it. But just me inside of a jeep and I was protected from them attacking me. But there was something unnatural and something that was alarming. The brother that was a game warden there was actually a message believer. So we got to go out and be right there where they were. And then we got to go up in a balloon, a hot air balloon over the top of the Serengeti and watch them. And it's unnatural for you to be in that atmosphere. And the fear is there, even though you're in a Jeep and they had guns and they would be able to protect you. But it's unnatural to be close to such a wild animal with no fence or no cage. How could these saints of God go into the Colosseums? How could they lay down their lives? How could mothers allow their bellies to be ripped open and their unborn babies pulled out and their brains dashed out against a rock and then not deny the Lord Jesus? Because they had received a revelation. What was it? Upon this rock I will build my church. You see, it's not just coming to church that that is what stabilizes us. It's not just, well, I, I believe that God so loved the world he gave his own only begotten son. That within itself will not keep you. Jesus did not say for everybody that believes I'm the son of God that if they just believe that, I'll build my church upon that and they'll all be saved. No, but it was on who he was, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So what is the Christ? The living anointed portion of the word for the age that you live in. Now he was Jesus when he was born but he became Christ Christos when he became the anointed one. Then he was later named Lord Jesus Christ so this same Jesus hath God made both Lord Father and Christ Holy Ghost so he was Lord Jesus Christ Father Son Holy Ghost. Now this was the revelation that Father had revealed to Peter of who Jesus was. Now remember Brother Bram tells us in Christ the mystery of God revealed and Jesus was talking about himself in this quotation that Brother Bram was referencing to. He said Peter even my flesh did not reveal this to you. So it wasn't that the Lord Jesus secretly told Peter. Now Peter I'm going to ask you something in a few days and I'm going to give you the answer so you'll be able to answer in the right way. What I'm going to do Peter is I'm going to take you all to Caesarea Philippi and I'm going to ask everybody who I am. And I want you to have the right answer. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you right now what the answer is. Now whenever I say, who do men say that I am, I'm going to give you the answer. So I want you to answer that thou art to Christ, the son of the living God. 
Now that would have been the flesh of the Lord Jesus revealing it to Peter. But if the flesh of the Lord Jesus revealed it to Peter, then the flesh of the Lord Jesus would have revealed it to me and to you and to you and to you and every believer from that time on. But who revealed it to Peter? Father God. So it was not the flesh. And Brother M tells us then that it was not even Jesus himself that let Peter know. He said, Peter, my own life didn't even reveal this to you. Now the Lord Jesus could have said to Peter, Peter, how did you know this? Because I didn't tell you that. And even my life thus far has not revealed this portion of who I am. How did the Father be able to give this revelation to Peter when Jesus hadn't yet spoken. You follow me? The Lord Jesus as a man had not yet spoke this as far as publicly to who he was. But it was the Father who included Peter in this revelation and the flesh of the Lord Jesus never gave to him. Let me just say it this way, that Brother West can share things that God places on his heart with the young people. The ministers of the church can share things and we can tell you of our revelation, but in reality I cannot give you a revelation. Only the Lord God can reveal himself unto you. Only the Lord God can reveal his word unto you. And if it just becomes tradition and well I've heard it all my life and I, I just believe it if that's all it is somewhere in time something will happen to take that from you. But if the same Father God reveals it to you that revealed it to Peter there ain't enough devils out of hell. There ain't enough no to the answers of your prayer to ever take it away from you because the Father laid that foundation stone in you before the foundation of the world. So this is the attribute of indestructibility. Now, I want to remind you of the meaning of this word again. Incapable of being destroyed, ruined, or rendered ineffective. Now, no doubt the devil has thought countless of times down through the ages that he almost had this thing wiped out. He thought he almost had it annihilated, and it seemed that it did, but God has always reserved to himself a seed or a people. And friends, we don't know how long this is keep on going to keep going, but if it goes another 25 or 30 years or 50, I honestly can't see how it could. But if it did, God will have a seed on the earth that will be faithful. Oh my, you imagine how much darker it'll be in a year from now, much less 10. But if there is time beyond this time, God will have people that will be true. Why? The attribute of indestructibility came from the very foundation of this church to the very capping off of the church and it goes in the resurrection. Now notice this that Jesus says upon this rock the revelation of who I am. Christ the anointed son of God. Also I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And remember from the gates is where the policy came forth. From the gates is where the army marched out through the gates. From the gates is where the power was put on display. From the gates is where that the judges would meet together. And I'll just repeat it to you because I thought it was really good. Last Wednesday night, the bride of Christ keeps hell so tied up. They ain't got time to fool with nobody else. So you know what? We realize that the gates of hell is not against Hinduism. 
The gates of hell is not against Taoism. It is not against communism. It is not against socialism. Neither is it against organized religion. But the gates of hell is against this revelation that he is here now. Now the church then is upheld by the power and the promise of the founder's own word. Now we know of course that Buddha, we understand a little bit about his history and know how it was brought about and by meditation and all this. If you can think long enough and meditate long enough, you'll turn the world into a perfect place. Well, he's got more followers now than he's ever had and the earth is in worse shape than it's ever been. Well, come on now, saints. And we know it's the same thing with transcendental dedication, rather how that many of the people of the world that try to approach it from that side and people saying, well, if we can just get the world more educated and if we can get more college degrees among people, yeah, that's what the communists thought in China. As a matter of fact, years ago when I was making the missionary trips there, there was professors sitting there hearing me preach. Now you imagine a little bitty old hillbilly from Kentucky and professors and teachers and all kinds of very educated people sitting there hearing a little dummy like me sitting up and preach the word and yet the word coming forth in such an astounding way that I would preach and offer prayer. God of course done miracles and things like that and then I would go back in a little room to get a drink of water and sit for a few minutes and turn the service to Brother Murphy and Brother Murphy would kind of knock on the door or either just knock on the door facing if there was not a door there and he would say, Brother Donnie, excuse me. I said, yes, Brother Murphy, what is it? He said, they're ready for part two. They want more. I said, I can't give it right now. I've got to rest a little bit. And I was a younger man then. But what was it? The hunger in the hearts of the people and yet educated degrees and sociology and psychology and all different types of things. Why? The communism had taught them. If you can get more educated, that should satisfy. But it didn't satisfy the hunger in a soul. And it didn't satisfy the Chinese. It won't satisfy us Tennesseans either. Why? Because there's a deep inside of our soul that calls for more than psychology. It calls for more than intellect. Only the real, the real bride of Christ I grant you will ever be able to walk in that depths of the realm of God. And this is why you could never be satisfied in a church system. Because that system, look how many people that were there in that same church you were raised up in and they're still there today. And they're just as happy as they can be being a good old Baptist or a good old Pentecostal or a good old Methodist and here you were even when you were there you were not satisfied and here you are tonight and you're so glad that you moved and they are just as happy as they can be being right where you left 40 years ago or 50 years ago why because only the bride has this deep hunger of the father's revelation this is what it is it's the father trying to make himself known to you and that's what the real church is built on. Now please don't misunderstand me. The church is not built upon us just handing out Brother Renham's books. The church is not built on us just handing out tapes. Or it's not built upon you coming here or wherever you go to church. It's built upon this revelation of who he is. And once the Father gives it to you there's absolutely nothing that can ever take it away. Oh, praise God. Aren't you glad for tonight, saints? Thank God. 
Now watch this, how the prophet catches this in discernment of spirit in 1960. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Will never be able to prevail. Show that they would be against it. Now watch and see where the gates of hell is against. It ain't against the denomination. The government recognizes that. It ain't. The world recognizes our denomination. All of them. We have the right. Each one of us as an American citizen, we have the rights of denomination, which is fine. Well, it may be fine for them, but it ain't fine for us. Now, we appreciate that, but that's not what the gates of hell is against. It's against the spiritual revelation of Christ being here now. Now, let me go on, friend, to remind you that hell is not against the revelation that Brother Branham was here decades ago. Do you understand this year, Brother Branham will have been gone from the earth as many years as he was on the earth? Oh, it's not against the revelation that Brother Branham was here. Brother Branham is not Hebrews 13.8. Paul is not Hebrews 13.8. You're not Hebrews 13.8. I'm not Hebrews 13.8. There's only one person that's Hebrews 13.8, and that's the Lord Jesus. But if we can come in such harmony with him, he will bring us into the fulfillment of Hebrews 13.8 in our lives. Then he actually becomes Hebrews 13.8 in us. Oh my. Hallelujah. That when the spirit of the living God can take his word and speak his word. We know how it is mentally and psychologically. We can quote the words which is the face value of the Logos. But if God can ever anoint our mind and anoint our heart and pull us into that sphere of the anointing and that Logos word becomes rhema and then you say by his stripes I am here. We've all said it when we've been sick and most of the time it was us quoting the Logos us. It was us quoting the concept of God. You've experienced it just like I have. When there was other times, it wasn't you quoting it. It was the Father using your mouth. Oh, hallelujah. The Father using your mouth. It might not have been for you. It might have been for a daughter. It might have been for a husband. And you was praying and you was all tore up and all of a sudden something spoke to you and you knew right then it was over. Even though it got worse, it didn't really matter. Why? Because the Father God takes his word and fulfills that in your life and you and him actually become part of the coalescing together of Hebrews 13. That all that is so wonderful. Notice this. Brother Ram says it this way. Of Christ being here now the same yesterday, today, and forever, that's what it's against. Well, let me just tell you again tonight, that's what he's against right here tonight. That he's the same yesterday and forever. Now, I'll guarantee you this, okay? I'll guarantee you without one shadow of a doubt, if I start changing my preaching, Brother West, Brother Darrell, the rest of these brothers here, we start changing our preaching, and we start preaching that he was Hebrews 13, 8, up till 1965 and that he's no longer the same and we thank God for what he was and we thank God for what he's going to be out here in the future somewhere but we're not really sure that he's among us anymore and we just think well we're going through a lot of stuff and well maybe maybe we'll be able to hang on I guarantee you one thing it would grieve the Holy Ghost so much he wouldn't even feel welcome in our church he wouldn't feel welcome in our services nor our home why because he don't want us to believe him as a historical figure or a figure of the future. He wants us to believe him as a living resurrected Christ that's right here tonight. But 
the dawn and look at all the sick people. Sure, they got sick folks, friends. But what are we to do? Right during this time is a time for our God to be able to display himself. I'll tell you one thing. I believe the Lord Jesus is going to do great things among us. He's already doing wonderful things. I'm looking for great things to happen right among us. Now, do I think the world will know it? Nope. Do I believe WJHL will come over here and want to do an interview? Oh, they wanted to do one last week. But it wasn't about miracles. It's about our sickness. They would love to put our name out. They want to be able to talk about us. Some of the folks in the hospital are talking about the chaplains and this and that and the other. They want to say that about us. But I wonder if they'd like to do an interview after these folks that are sick have one miracle after another. That's one I'd like to interview them. Oh, I'd like to give them one. How that God raised this one up and the doctor said they had two days. And God raised this one up and said there's no way for them to live without a miracle. I love it when they say that. I love it when the doctors will say it. They said that about one of ours just a few days ago, you know. They said that they'll never live without a miracle. And that might have been the very time that God was waiting for until medical science would say they need a miracle. By saying that, they are saying that there's not very much we can do. I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. I thank God for doctors. I'm grateful for what they can do. But we all know there's times that they drop their head and they fold their hands and say, there's nothing else I can do for you. And when they do that, the Lord Jesus steps in on the scene and says, by my stripes, you are healed. Does it look gloomy? Yes. Does it look sad? Yes. But remember, it's the darkest hour that Jesus comes along. It's your darkest time when Jesus comes along. Oh, you say, but it's so dark in my home. Yes, I understand. It was that way with Mary and Martha and the prophet said they had every right. They sent for the Lord Jesus and he went farther. They sent for him and he went farther and he said whenever Jesus come up that day that she had every right to say and you claim to be a man of God and you was not even gentleman enough to come our way. We left our churches. We've been reproached because of you and here your very best friend Lazarus was sick and I sent word you didn't even have the common decency to come when I asked for you to. Now the prophet said she had a right to say that to him, but he also said a sheep forfeits their rights. So she had a right to berate him and said, you call yourself a servant of God with a loving heart and you say you love your people and I sent for you and I sent again and what did you do? You turned and went the other way. Well, as a man, Lord Jesus, hey, may not even have known why he was going that way, but Father dwelling inside of him said, don't you go yet. It would have been a great miracle for the Lord Jesus to raise him up from being sick but it was an even greater miracle when he raised him up from being dead hallelujah oh my the lord it would be a great miracle for us sometime when we've got mild symptoms of this or that or the other and we think lord where are you day one went by day two day seven day eight day nine lord where are you the lord may be waiting until it gets worse and worse and the doctors say oh my it's really bad the high blood pressure the this that or the other oh my we can't do anything and then oh glory to god when he gets to that spot that they declare oh we don't know what we're going to do then the lord moves pray 
praise God. And the Lord said, now it's time for it to turn a corner. Why? Because he loves to display his power. If he can find children that can stand upon that attribute, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. Lord, I don't understand why you haven't come, but I'm not going to berate you. I'm not going to ridicule you, Lord. I believe you in the good times. I believe you in the bad. I thank you for your yeses. I thank you for your no's. I thank you when I don't understand. I thank you when I can shout the victory. But I also thank you, Lord, when I don't even feel like raising my hands above my head. I thank you that you're still God. You're God when I'm well. You're God when I'm sick. You're God when I'm up. You're God when I'm down. You're God all the time. Oh, listen to this little powerful sermon preached in 1955 called The Power of the Devil. I tell you, when Jesus Christ anoints you, you're not made out of running material. Praise God. You're not made out of running material, that's all. Not the rock of Gibraltar, but the rock of ages. That's God's word. Take your position there and stand while the gates of hell is battling against it. Against what? Your position. Notice what he said. Take your position there. Where? On the rock of Revelation. Take your position there and stand there. Notice and stand while the gates of hell is a battling against it with this perfect assurance that he who promised it not fail will never fail. Amen. That's faith. That's when you're not scared. Now, how many of us have felt fear and we've been afraid of this and that and the other? Of course, all that. that's the human element. That don't mean you're not a Christian. That don't mean you're not in love with the Lord Jesus. It shows that you are a human being. But the thing of it that I want to point out to you tonight is if God can move upon our hearts and bring us from that realm of darkness and save us when we were lost, cannot he move for us in the time of distress and trouble and drop that something down inside of us that David said in the Psalms that he came and delivered me from all of my fears. Now can you imagine a warrior like David, a man who killed bears and lions and Goliaths and all kind of things, but David yet still had so many fears and David could kill a lion, he could kill a bear by the help of the Lord, but there were certain fears that he faced, Brother David, that he didn't know what to do with. And David didn't say, I killed him, but he said, the Lord delivered me from them. So there's times when we must put things under our feet and times that we must do things. Another time, brother, sister, only the Lord and the power of his deliverance can take them from us. What's this? Queen of Sheba, upon this rock, I will build my church. I don't care how many persecutions, how many lines they draw and cut you out. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. That's right. It shows all the gates of hell will be against it, but could not prevail. I'll build my church. The Holy Spirit moving, working, the resurrected Christ moving. Who can stop it? Try it. You can never be able to do it. It's going right on and on and on. Rise all the critics you want to. It'll only strengthen the church every time you do it. Going to move on. Remember the quote I read to you last week where the prophet said you could sooner stop the sun. 
Can you imagine an average of 93 million miles away from our planet? And you're going to stand out there. Me and Carol saw it sitting the other day. Oh, my. Coming up through Kentucky. They're beautiful. Our way from Louisiana to Kentucky. And it was so beautiful and so powerful. I told her, can you imagine people being so foolish and crazy to think they're going to be able to stop that? Here it's been hanging for millions of years or who knows how long. And yet they decide I'm going to stop that. I said they could easier stop that sunball than they can stop the church of the living God. Why? Because the Lord Jesus gave this attribute of indestructibility to that. Your friends, you realize he never spoke this to the moon. He never spoke this to the sun. He never spoke this to certain asteroids and certain planets and certain novas and things that are out there. What happens to them? Many of them burn up and they go into the black holes and when they do, they disintegrate and they are no more. Every star does not have the power of indestructibility. Every civilization, think of it. I, I enjoy studying civilizations and things that's been in the past and you think of all the civilizations that have been upon the earth and all the records that we have that they lived and existed. Where are they today? Where are the great Romans? Where are the Parthenons? Where are the Spartans? Where are the different ones that lived? Well, they, we've got their names hewed in some rocks somewhere and we've got some things, but where are they? They've all passed away. Where are the mighty Philistines? Where are the Germans? Where are the Nazis? Where are those great ones? And one day we'll say where is the mighty Americans and where are the mighty British and this and that and the other because nations are destructible governments are destructible policy is destructible but Jesus said on this rock I'll build my church and I will make my church totally indestructible praise God notice this and greater than Solomon is here in Tucson he said there is a safety place, and that's in Jesus Christ. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. That's the believer's protection, just under his wings. So can you imagine Iran? Oh, she keeps intimidating Israel. She keeps striking this and striking that, using Hezbollah on the north, you know, the different ones down in the Gaza Strip. What are they doing? Trying to intimidate them, trying to blow up a ship and set this on fire and that on fire. And the world's looking at, oh no, oh no, only 10 weeks away, they say, Iran, 10 weeks away from having enough nuclear energy and all that to be able to make the first atomic bomb. 10 weeks away. In the hand of such a regime. And our people are terrified. One of our main men tonight sitting over there with the Prime Minister of Israel just meeting today trying to figure out what to do. Aren't you glad you done know? Aren't you glad you done know the answer? Whenever they're looking out here and they say by 2050 that the earth will have warmed up so much that, uh, that Tampa and Miami Beach and many of these cities around the world that all the ice will be gone. The ice will be gone in Greenland and the ice and the snow will be gone from the polar caps and there'll be no more Arctic and Antarctic and they just come out with a report last week that the climate change is moving faster than they thought and the scientists are scared to death and I thought sounds like a millennium to me 
Wow, they're so scared. My goodness, friend, don't you know that at one time it stood upright anyway and the temperature was the same all the way around us. Oh, we're going to lose our glaciers. Yeah, we sure are when the king comes back. There won't be no glaciers on the earth. Oh my, it's going to be storms. Oh no, it ain't going to be no storm because he's going to tilt it right back up. Oh, glory to God. Where it was in the beginning and that which causes storms will be held down there with a log, not a log chain, but a chain of circumstance. He's no longer the prince of the power of the air. My Lord, hallelujah, and the world looking, oh no, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. But as believers, it is the greatest time we have ever lived in our life. We are one day closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus. I am one sermon closer to the rapture. We are one Wednesday night service closer to the body chain. Oh, Brother Donnie, aren't you scared of it? No, friend. I've got a bomb shelter. Oh, you do? Is it, is it at your house? No, not exactly. What's it made out of? Feathers. Feathers. Feathers? Yeah, feathers. It's my papa's wings. You see, God told the children of Israel, I brought you out of the land of Egypt on eagle's wings. You know what that was, don't you? The prophet's message. You didn't know that, huh? Yeah, that's what Brother Bram said. He said those eagle's wings was Moses the prophet's message. Now let people ridicule the message if they want to. Let them leave it. If they want to, let them do whatever they want to do. But to me, I'm holding on. You remember how that mama eagle would let them little eagles down there and they'd turn around in them green valleys and boy, they'd turn over one more, one or after another, after another and that mama would look back to there and see a great storm coming up and she would let out a scream and them little eagles would come and climb right up on her wings and each one of them would grab a feather in its mouth. Oh, they were not able to face the storm. They didn't have to. They was on mama's back. There each one of them holding onto the wings and here would go mama. And mama would head right up through there and take them babies out of the tribulation period. Well, listen, little eagle, one of these days, hallelujah, don't worry, little children, it'll drop down and there won't be hiding or hair and her bones left behind. They worry about these flying saucers. He said, but don't worry about them. One day you're going to find out it's that investigating judgment, but it won't leave you here because Papa Eagle will send down the great power of the rapturing Holy Ghost and it'll take the little eagles out of this earth. How are we going to leave out of here on eagles' wings? What makes us different than the church? They've got reformers. They've got bishops. They've got popes. We got a prophet. Oh, praise the Lord. A pope's message won't produce a rapture. A bishop's message won't produce a rapture, but a prophet's message will. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's the believer's protection just under his wings, safely abiding, certainly, and the church can say, I love this in the church age book. I know we've looked at it many times. Remember this Christ and the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows how the, the Antichrist spirit 
would come into the church and defile it, making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. It exposes Satan, reveals his works, his attempted destruction of God's people, what's the twofold of this, and the discrediting of God's word. Don't you understand, friend, why when folks leave this message, they cannot leave and walk away. They must spend the rest of their life trying to discredit this word. They are held bound. They are a soul in prison. And you know where they're imprisoned at? The very gate, the entrance to the rapture. They're not carried down in hell into the regions of the lost. But what do they do? They talk about Brother Branham more than sometimes message believers do. Look at their website. It's William Branham this and William Branham that and William Branham something else. And they say they're free. They're not free. They talk about him every day. They read the quotes every day. They study the message to try to find human error and this and that and the other. And they say they're free from it. They ain't free from it. If they're free from it, they go on to their Methodist whore or their old Baptist and leave us alone but they can't leave us alone because they are held captive right there I wrote to one of them not long ago and told them I still feel sorry for you because you'll never get away from this word you'll never get away from the message of the hour it will haunt you why they are souls in prison now Oh my, right at the very door, the entry of the rapture, right at the very thing they laugh and make fun of and ridicule, and it'll be that very thing, Brother West, that'll carry us out of here. Notice this, my, right down to the time that he's cast in the lake of fire. Now, let me tell you, there's one thing about the devil. There's one thing about this sorry outfit. You have got to acknowledge he's got a determination. You imagine the Lord Jesus, the defeat that he rendered to him at Calvary. Preachers call him everything that you can imagine. They bust his hide. They call him a liar. I have preached against him for decades and it don't make one bit of difference to him. He comes right back. Well, my goodness, I've called him every name that you can imagine. And, and, and yet, if I call some of you one thing, if you even think I'm referring to you, you get mad and won't come back. I talk to the devil and say he's a liar. I call him all kinds of things and he comes right back every day. Come on, saints. Why, he's the most faithful member that we've got at Happy Valley. Of course, he's not on our book and he don't pay tithes and he don't really help us anything, but he's the most faithful member that we've got and he's the same way with Brother Tim and Brother Ron and all the rest of the brothers around the world and he comes to church. Come on, somebody. And we bust his hide. We lay him low. I cast him out every opportunity I get. I'm constantly telling the people of God what a big fat liar he is what a deceiver that he is do you think he goes home and pouts down on hell so I ain't going back to Happy Valley no more Donnie Reagan tore me all to pieces he busted my hide he hurt my feelings so bad I ain't coming back well let me just go ahead and tell you I'm tearing the hide off of him tonight guarantee you he'll be here on Sunday morning before some of you all get here why? Because he has this about him. Now, when the Lord Jesus has him thrown into the pit of the abyss, think of this, he has him thrown into the pit of the abyss. Notice how he says this. He fights that, and he goes right down to the time he's cast into the lake of fire, when he is released out of his prison for a little season. You know what he does? Raises right up. And that pride, that defiance, that attitude against God, 
God knocks him down and gets back up. God knocks him down and gets back up. Lord, what kind of determination ought we to have as the people of God? He acts like the winner and we act like we're the losers. He can read the back of the book. Don't you think he don't know this Bible better than you and I do? He reads the back of this book. I can't say I understand him, Brother West, whether they don't believe it or whether he figures somehow he can defeat God in the end. I don't know. But can you imagine if God would allow your name, Aaron Gurus, one day there'll be a boy born. He'll be born at a certain, certain day. He'll be born in a certain, certain state. That boy will be a rotten renegade. He'll never be able to serve me. He will not be bribed. And then one day this one was born. Might have been on the same day in the same state. But Revelation would tell this one, even though that's my name, and even though that's my birthday, and that's the same state I come from, that ain't me he's talking about. Because this inside of me tells me that's not who I am. Now that's real Revelation. Oh, what if the Bible had all of our names? Harry Reagan, Dave Johnson, Sister So-and-so, and this person here and that person. And one day you'd come there, Lord have mercy. There's my name. Oh, dear God, there's no hope for me. And yet you love the Lord Jesus with all of your soul. Me, Carol, heard Brother Ben talking about the other day. Whenever a man come to him and said, you are wrong. He said, you are so wrong and you're going to be lost. And Brother Ben said, I thought, well, I just kind of give him a little something there. And he said, sir. He said, if that would be pleasing to my Lord, and he wanted me to be lost and go to hell, I would love him all the way there. But you see, if you have that kind of love, it proves you ain't going there. Why? Because you love him so much and you love his will that you want what he wants. So he said, how in the world? A mortal could not do that. A mortal would get an attitude against God, but not somebody that has become immortal. So the devil, right after the time of the tribulation period, and he's released out of it. Oh, it's like he gets this newfound energy, and here he comes right up against the church. Can't you see, friend? There's only one way for us as the believers to overcome him. Him who's already overcome him must overcome him in us. Why? Daniel said Satan would wear out the saints. Let's be honest. How many of us have felt that wearing out? Just worn with trials. You can feel it. You can feel the sadness and the gloom. My, I mean, Carol traveled a little bit over 2,000 miles this last week. Driving down to Louisiana and then back to Kentucky and all the things that we went. And at every state that we crossed, crossing out of Tennessee into the northern part of Georgia, going out of Georgia, down into Alabama. I mean, you've been to Louisiana, you know the, the route. Go out of Alabama into Mississippi, out of Mississippi into Louisiana. And then you turn and come back another way. And everywhere you go, you can feel that gloom and that darkness and that heaviness. It wasn't because I took it with me. Is because it was there on the people. And yet we as the people of God, if we're not careful, we will let it overpower our joy that the Lord Jesus said, I'll give you my peace. 
and my joy. Oh, we dealing with troubles? Oh, yes. I'll tell you one thing. Carol and I had a terrible, terrible time whenever we were gone, knowing so many people sick and yet feeling to go down and help Brother Tim and the saints there and, and so many folks at the church sick and so much stuff. We both lost sleep, couldn't hardly sleep, praying day and night and day and night. Oh, but I'm so grateful I had saints here at home praying for me. Oh, my, I don't think I could have made it if y'all hadn't been praying for me. Why? Because we love one another and we realize we're called and we go right back to that spot upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against me if this church is founded upon Donnie Reagan we might as well close the doors and not even come back no more if it's even founded upon the man William Branham we might as well close the doors but I want to say tonight it's not founded on me it ain't founded on Paul it ain't founded on Brother Branham it is founded upon Jesus Christ the word himself Amen. And I ain't just talking about quoting passages of Scripture, but I'm talking about the person, the living Christ. Amen. Oh, my. Let me, let me finish with this if I can. Now, watch how Satan knows certain things. He knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church. Now, this is what so much of the church people don't understand. Because by revelation, we see a difference between the bride and the church. They see it all as one group. But you see, our eyes have been opened by the eagle's wings, and it helps us to see all the way down through the scriptures, that was that type of bride and church. Bride and church, and it's here now. But the world out here in Christendom, they just see one big group. And that's why they identify themselves as one family, and of course they are, because they are daughters of the same mother. But we say proudly, we are not of them or of that mother. Well, praise the Lord. Why? Because we are looking less like the mother and more like the father. You see, it's totally impossible in this life for, to, for a male to be able to give birth to himself and express himself without a bedding ground of a woman, whether it's in a test tube or the natural body of a woman. But God could do it in so much a prophet related to us in marriage and divorce that they kept on coming down through the church ages and they kept looking more like him and less like her. So what's he wanted to look like in the last days? A reproduction of himself. Amen. This is why we hate the spirit of organization around this message because that is only another her. Well, praise the Lord. Notice this. So she must get the true revelation of the true church, what she is and what she stands for and that she can do the greater works. Notice he does not say just the prophet messenger, but she. Now, does that mean every individual in the body Will raise the dead, cast out devils? No, we know that he dealt with that for us in other places. Sister Florence Shakari, Brother Branham, I fasted and prayed and fasted and prayed to cast out devils, and I still can't cast them out. He said, you wasn't born to do such. You was born to fast and pray for those who's called to cast them out. 
So will every individual raise a dead? Will every individual walk into the hospitals and pray for people and them get healed? No, but you will pray for those who are called to do it. But that will be amongst the body of believers. So when Brother Ron Spencer lays hands on those that are sick, Brother Tim, myself, Brother Darrell, the miraculous, they pray, oh, you say, I've never done that. But you are identified in the she because they are part of the same she that ye are part of. And it's not an organization, but it's a part of the mystical body. And she, don't you understand, friend? Every time God uses Brother Darrell to pray for somebody and the tumor drops off or whatever more, Brother Ron the same way or Brother Tim or whoever it is around the world, don't you understand what that happens? As the body of Jesus Christ, Miss Jesus Christ, the phenomenal part about it is that is in our body. When I lay hands on people and God stops heart attacks and does all kinds of things. Oh, yes, I've never seen that, Brother Donnie. I've never done that. That means I'm not a believer? Absolutely not. It may be your prayers that's praying for me that gives me strength and keeps me strong to face the battles that I'm facing so I can stand there. I hope you don't, hope you don't misunderstand me. hope you don't think I'm crazy. But this is the way I've been going to the hospital. This is the way that I have been praying for God's children. And I go there and I walk as I did just in the last week, just as I did, oh my, one after the other, and I tell him, is on my way from my vehicle to that hospital door, Lord Jesus, I go in here representing you. I have no power, but I do have authority. Now the prophet explains that for us and he said a little policeman stand down there and he said he's standing there and his uniform hanging off of his body and his cap pulled down over his ears and he said his sleeves is too long and he said well he ain't got enough power to stop a bicycle. But he said a car coming down through there with how many ever horsepower why well, could run over him and kill the little bitty old guy. But what does he do? He would take that at that time of course they used a whistle and they would take that whistle and he'd blow that whistle and put that hand like that, he ain't got enough power to stop a runaway bicycle. Why well, a bicycle could hit him if it's going very fast and knock him down, knock the breath out of him, and the bicycle head right on down the road. Though he don't have power, but he has authority. Each of you have the power of the Holy Ghost, but it is God who delegates the authority to do these works. That don't mean you're not a believer. It don't mean you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, but you have to have delegated authority. You understand that, church? So when God calls that in the body, then God says, I want you to do this, and you to do that, and you to do that, and you to do that, and I want you to work in the body. Then whenever we hear the testimonies, oh, God is moving, God is doing this, and God is doing that, praise God. Oh, God is doing something else. My brother Tim was reiterating it the other day when we were down there, when Sister Karen, had her first brain bleed and the doctor said she'd never live and yet there was a little boy the little grandson little Andrew and he hadn't walked and he couldn't even stand up in the middle of the floor if you'd set him down on the floor he couldn't even get up the only way for him to get up would be put him by a table or something where he'd be able to grab a hold of it and Sister Karen was there in the room by herself and Brother, Brother Tim said she's feeling sorry for herself and they're feeling oh well what's my future holding what's going to happen and all of a sudden a wind come that, through that bedroom there 
where they were. And that little Andrew stood right up in the middle of the floor and started running all over the house. And the angel of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, come right near where she was. And she jumped up out of the bed and started shouting the victory. Why? Because it was time for God to move. And what was it? My, my, the prayers had already been prayed. But it wasn't a preacher there at the particular time. Apparently, the angel of the Lord was just making his visitation through Pruittville Road. <laughs> well, glory be to God. What good would it have done if they'd have lost faith? Well, it ain't going to happen to me. It ain't going to happen. It's done too late. But they kept maintaining their faith. Do you believe it, saints? So it's the same way for us that we, as the people of God, we keep believing his promise. Oh, but Brother Donnie, we're praying and this one's getting worse. That has not one thing to do with it. That has not one thing. I sat there and looked at Brother Tim the other day and he said, brothers, just so you know. He said, we prayed that God would heal my wife and God done this miracle and that miracle and that miracle. For those of you that saw it, after one of the last brain breeds, the serious one that she had, and they brought her home and they made a video and posted it there. Some of you probably saw it. And here it was a homecoming. My, they were allowed to bring Sister Karen home. Sister Karen got out there and they let her out. She danced a little jig. Somebody asked her, said, why did you do that? She said, because that's what I'm gonna do when I get to heaven. I'm gonna go ahead and start doing it now. So here she got out of mind. Brother Tim sat there the other day at his table, bless his heart, and he was crying and said, you know, we thought, we thought the same thing would happen again. I said, but Brother Tim, the Lord let you all have that other homecoming. This time, he wanted it. <laughs> this time, he wanted it. He wanted Sister Karen to come up to his house. They got to bring her home and everybody rejoiced and everybody shouted, my, it went around and around the world and it was truly a miracle of the great thing that God did. But you know what, this time God said no. I went and prayed for, Brother Ron went and prayed for, Brother Darrell went and prayed for, different people around the world have prayed for. Don't you tell me there's not faith among this bride, saints. But it lets me know that when God gets ready to call us home, I don't care who's prayed for, you're going anyhow. But if it ain't God's time, there ain't enough devils out of hell to take you. You're walking in the harmony of God's word. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's COVID. I don't care if it's a heart attack. If you're on a Boeing 747 and it crashes in the middle of the ocean and it ain't your time to go six months later, they'll find you out there sailing along, eating swordfish steaks and drinking fresh water because God said, this old boy's gonna live. You say, how in the world do you do it? God's still got birds to fly down fresh sandwiches and fresh drinking water if it ain't, oh, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. There ain't enough devils out of hell to take us until Papa's time is finished. Let's stand together. Oh, praise God. Can I finish reading this quote to you? Is it okay if we pick it up from here maybe next time? Notice this. He says, she will be, this is what will happen if she can be able to know, if they can get the true revelation of the true church, what she is, what she stands for, and that she can do the greater works she will be an invincible army. You know, they say this is one thing that made the Roman army almost undefeatable. We know from a mechanical point of view, those men moved as one man. They had their shield, most of them about six foot. They called it the door. Whenever they would get in a tight spot 
and their enemies will be throwing rocks and all types of things that all bunch together and they'd take their shield and put it over their head and they would wait and wait and wait until the enemy got wore out or run out of rocks. Then when they got tired, they'd take their doors down and start throwing rocks back on them from the catapults. Whenever one man would move, they all moved. Their discipline was so strict and they moved as one individual and they seemed invincible. But time proved they weren't. Babylon was at one time deemed invincible until, of course, Darius the Mede. And they come in and stop the river, which was flowing down the midst of Babylon, and diverted the river while they was inside having big drunken parties. And they went right underneath the gate and took the entire city. But this army I'm talking about will never. Do you hear me? She will never be defeated. Amen. The Spartans were defeated. The Carpathians were defeated. The Romans were defeated. There's not an army that we could name in the natural sense that were not defeated. And their civilizations are dust. But we belong to an army tonight that is totally invincible, Amen. completely indestructible. My, she will be an invincible army if they get the true revelation of the true spirits within the framework of the Christian church and by God's spirit discern. Now listen, this is where a lot of folks think they can just discern it and not withstand it. But the true bride will not only discern the antichrist spirit, but it will withstand it. Now that's the difficult part. Discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit. Satan will be powerless. Powerless. I don't know. I, I, I can't relate to how he thinks about this. But he must fear this quote. He must fear this statement. Brother Ram talks about when people would come up and they'd have a demon of cancer or TB or something in their body. And he said when they would walk up, they would get so nervous and their eyes would start moving and they'd start having different reactions. And he said it was that devil and that demon got scared because it knew it was fixing to be exposed. And the devil hates to be exposed. I'm glad I've got a ministry that exposes his heart. He hates to be exposed. When he's exposed, he becomes powerless because you realize he huffs and he puffs, but he can't blow this house down. Because you ain't little red riding hood. You're a little red blood washed bride. Hallelujah. He might blow me down, he might blow you down, but he ain't gonna blow the church of the living God down. He makes his threat, but a real believer knows he has a bow, but he ain't got no arrows. Praise God. Notice, he will be as definitely thwarted today as when Christ withstood every effort to gain power over him in the desert. Uh, let, let me just read it and, and not, not, not go into it. We'll, we'll go into it next time, Lord. But. Yes, Satan hates revelation but we 
love it. With true revelation in our lives, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. But we, glory, will prevail over them. Praise God. But you say, Brother Donnie, the gates of hell prevailed against Sister Karen Pruitt. No, it didn't. You say it prevailed against Brother Daniel Nunley. No, it didn't. Brother Lonnie Richard, but Brother Darrell myself done his funeral yesterday down in Kentucky. You say it prevailed against him. That cancer prevailed. No, it didn't. The cancer that was in Brother Lonnie Richard's body, that cancer life, died. Multiplication of cells, it all died. But Brother Lonnie Richard ain't dead. He's alive. He's alive. You see, there's three things we can do with our human life. Life is a sacred thing to God, so God puts it in a book of life. Thankfully, we're the only one that can put things in that book under our name. That within itself is enough to condemn us all. And that's what we started doing when we come to the age of accountability. We started lying, started cheating, started doing things. Page after page after page after page of our book started filling up. But thank God nobody else could add to our book but us. But there's only one being that can actually take the evidence of that book and so annihilate it as if though it never even existed. Then when that happens, and I preached it yesterday at Brother Lonnie's funeral, that David said that man's life is as a handbreadth. So this is a man's life right here we'll say that lives three score and ten, 70 years. So this will be the first dispensation if we divide it into fours. So this is when he's born up, you know, 12, 13 years old maybe. He comes up into the second span of his life. Remember, you've got four lights in you. The prophet said the same thing. You have four lights in you. Each x-ray takes a little bit of that light till you come right down to where you've only got the fourth light left. Then eventually, of course, you pass. Then you move into this second span of years and then the third. And if you're allowed to live and your life like this, say 70, 75 years old, just like a span, gone. And there's three things you can do with that life. You can waste it, spend it, or invest it. You know as well as I do, people that we look at and say, what a wasted life. They drunk, they done this and that and the other. They, they never accomplished anything. They brought more hurt than they brought joy. And when we said all the time, oh, it was a wasted life. And then there's other people, they don't waste their life. They spend their life. Now they spend their life making a reputation. They spend their life making this and another and they actually have fruit to show what they've done. So they spend their life and then they think, well, because I've done this, it'll give me dividends. And it does, in, 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 in one sense of speaking. But then there's another group of people, they actually invest their life. Now, this is the thing about investment. Now, if you've got $5,000 and you'd like to put it in an account somewhere or you'd like to run it on the stock market or however that works, I don't understand it myself, but however that works, you know, most of us would more than likely like to have a great big investment and a large portfolio for our retirement, but most of us want our cake and eat it too. So if you invest money in something, more than likely you'll have to give it away and trust somebody else with it. 
And you see, this is what separates the bride from the church. The bride wants to invest her life. But she knows by making this investment that her life, her money, is not her own. So she invests her life in the kingdom of God, plan of God, word of God, faith of God, move of God. So God, God, God has her life because she's invested it. But now she starts drawing the dividends or the portfolio is starting to manifest itself now in life. And God hears the prayers and God does this and that and the other. So she's getting little dividends here and there. And she got a little touch of that dividend when she got the Holy Ghost. But the rest of the world, oh my, they're just my, my, my. They're spending their life. And boy, they go here and they go there and they do this this and that and the other, but whenever their life is done and then the, bank, the great bank account rolls up, they have no investment for the other side. What they've done is they've spent their life and many of them spent it well for a creature of time, but they made no future investment because God demands so much the way they look at it. But for us, we look at it and think, okay, so I give God, we'll say this much. I give God this much. Say I live to be 70 years old or something like that. And I started serving whenever I was young and I preached all these years and, you know, whatever more. So I give God, say that much. And David said, man, it is very best is vanity. So I give God that much. Then while I was giving him all that, it was growing in the account of heaven. So I give God this and God gives me eternity. And that I walk before him and my precious sweetheart, my companion in life, I get ready to walk up before him and all of a sudden I feel her arm slide into mine and I reach and grab her like this and we start before him. Now, I honestly believe that preacher's wives are probably some of the greatest unsung heroes that there are. You think of Brother Branham going to get his reward and when he had that dream, he walked up before the Lord God and the Lord God would not let him come by himself. But one wife slipped her arm in one side and the other one slipped in this side. Elijah's fixing to get his reward for all the discernments and all the preaching and all the prayer lines. But his wives were so identified with him, God's going to let them walk up there together with him. So I give God this and it seems like nothing. I think, Lord, what have I done? I ain't never done anything. I, I've never done nothing. And I walk up there before him and he look at me and say, enter into the joys of the Lord. I look over at her and she's young and I'm young and we smile at each other. And he'll say, won't call me Donnie, but whatever my name is, Donnie and Carol, y'all come on in. Donnie, you remember that Sunday when you got married to her and you were 16? And you remember you got married on Sunday evening and you went to church Sunday night. You played the guitar and sung, went ahead and went to church. That was the beginning of our honeymoon, church. Can't you see why I'm looking for the millennium? Oh, I love church. So that night, my uncle, which I never heard him preach a sermon on predestination, election, for a nation, as far as I know, he didn't even believe in it. But that night in service, he started speaking in tongues and interpreting and prophesying over me. And he began to say words like this. I called you before the foundation of the world. Call me and Carol up together. I joined you together. I ordained you to be together before the world ever began. Well, I didn't know what that even meant. 
I'm sure Uncle Harold didn't know what it meant. But who was it speaking? Father. Amen. Father. So maybe that day he'll say, you remember what I told you on your wedding day? Come on in, son and daughter. Enter in the joys of the Lord. You've been faithful over a handkerchief full. You've been faithful over a few things. But I am going to make you ruler over many. Why? Because I chose not to waste my life or to spend my life. I chose to invest my life. And I don't have to worry about this going bankrupt or the stock market crashing. Oh, it never crashes up there. Don't you want to invest your life, friends? I know many of you have done the same. But if some of you are holding back a portion of your life and you've not made that full investment because you just, you just, you know, if you ever let that something go, that Jesus will become totally your Lord. That could be the very thing that hinders your final investment. Why don't you let him have it tonight? Why don't you let him have it? Give me a bow your heads. Lord, I don't know why you turned me this way at the end. But I believe, Lord, you were speaking to somebody. Father, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl. Those visible, those invisible. Maybe, Lord, it's a young man. Maybe it's a young woman. It might be a preacher. That he's given a big portion of who he is, but really, he's never been able to give his all. Whoever, Lord, you was having that directed to right now in the name of Jesus. May they be able to surrender it right there. If they're standing here in one of these pews, may the Spirit of God strike their hearts. If they're sitting around their computer, if they're in Malawi and they may listen to it tomorrow, or someone in Greenland, they may listen to it next week. Whoever it is, Lord, may the Spirit of God help each of us. We don't want to be wasters. We don't want to just be spenders. But we want to be investors. We know that rich young ruler come to you that day and ask you what he might do to have eternal life. And you told him. But the scripture said he went away sorrowful because he had great riches. So we know no doubt part of it he inherited. So we can see the man was not a waster because he had great things. He had evidence. He had proof. So he was a man that was a spender. I mean, oh, he went on and he tore down his barns and he built greater and he had more cattle and had great things. But then you said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. And when he got ready to cross over, there was nobody to take him by the hand and lead him across the river of death. So he screamed as his heart began to slow down the beats and the blood pressure get low. That Lord Jesus that had offered him at least the essence of eternal life. He had turned him down. Oh, Father God, may there not be one here tonight, Lord, that'll do that. May we be investors. And you're not asking us so much for our money, our gold, our silver, but you want our hearts, our lives, our strengths, what we are, what some of these people could do if they could only invest themselves with everything. Shame on us 
If when we were in the world, whatever we went at, went out with our whole heart. Many people in the message, whatever sport they enjoyed, they do with their whole heart. Whatever pastime they enjoy doing, they do it with their whole heart. And then when it comes to serving you, why do they think half heart will work? It's because they've never made that full investment to eternal life. Help us each one, Lord Jesus. I know I don't have much to offer. Lord, when I stand there that day beside great men, mine will look so small. But yet, Lord, if it's my best, that's all that I can do. As I'm getting older, Lord, and I know my strengths will be depleted in time, and my memory will go, and this and that will happen, I'll no longer be called to preach conventions. Lord, younger men will step in if time tarries, and I'll just kind of be pushed back. And people say, oh, I remember when Brother Donnie used to preach this, and I remember when he used to preach that, but it'll only be a fond memory in their, in their hearts. But Lord God, we sow our life, we keep it there in your great promise. Lord, maybe there's some here tonight that's discouraged. And Father, they're just feeling sad and lonely. May the Spirit of God help them right now, I pray. Lord God, we love you. We worship you, Jesus. How many present, visible, want to say to the Lord, just raise both your hands, Lord. I want to give you all I am. I don't seem like I've got much. But Lord, if you can take it as an investment. He said, Brother Donnie ain't got very much. Well, I understand, I don't either. But I remember a little boy one day that had his lunch. He had a few fishes and a few loaves. Now he could have wasted it. He could have thrown it along the wayside. He could have, you know, done whatever more with it. He could have spent it. He could have aided himself. He could have spent it on his own benefit. But instead, he invested it in the hands of Jesus. And in the hands of Jesus, it was able to feed thousands and minister to so many from one little boy's lunch. That's what an investment can do. A little humble, simple man, William Branham. And I was down near his birthplace where Harry and I used to live this past week. And my mind flew, flashed back as we passed a road sign there, Burksville, Kentucky. And I saw my one little, simple, humble man that invested his life to the kingdom of God and changed millions of people around the world and caused a worldwide revival. And the effect of that one man's life is still ongoing right here tonight in this building. Praise God. Ain't that what you want your life to be? Oh, it may never be millions, but maybe it'll be hundreds. Maybe it'll be thousands that God would use you, but it can only come on one basis, the basis of investment. And we know how it is. You've got to trust your investor. Because many of you are like me. You, if you had money, you wouldn't know what to do with it. You wouldn't know where to invest it. I don't know anything about that sort of thing. I don't know nothing about it. I, I wouldn't know. So if I had money to invest, I'd have to try to find somebody that I could trust. I don't know of anybody any better that I could give my life to and say, Lord Jesus, just take it. I don't know about you. I'm just going to say it again tonight. If there's anything I've kept back, Lord, if there's anything about me, 
Praise God. Let me invest the rest of what I have. Here I am, 65 years old, Medicare recipient. <laughs> but I still believe I got a few years left, maybe a few months anyway. Whatever I've got left, I want to give to him. What about it, Brother Harvey? We want to give the rest that we have, do we? No, what about it, saying some of you here tonight that's older than I am? Many of you are way younger than I am. You want to give what you have? Or you want to just spend it? You want to spend it for yourself? Or do you want to be a waster? Let's not be that. Let's be investors. Oh, praise God. Are you willing to that? I give you my appearance, Lord. I give you my all. I give you my music. I give you the books I read. Lord, if there's any book that I read that's displeasing to you, I give you my time. I give you everything I am, Lord. Help me to find that great investment company of eternal life. Praise God. Sing something for us. Harry, let's just worship. Can we just worship just a bit before you go? I know it's Wednesday. You got work tomorrow, but let's just worship a little before we go. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. myself away so you can use me here I am here I stand Lord my life is in your hand Lord I'm longing to
tonight. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Let's just sing this song. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. QG. Let's sing this song tonight. Amen. Remember the service Sunday. Amen. Come believe. Come, come believing. Come expecting. Amen. To hear from the Lord again. Let's just sing that as you're dismissed this evening. Oh, give me your hand. Let's agree together. Church of Jesus is still